This morning, Lord, we thank you that you have decided to keep our hearts beating. Every day comes directly from your hands. Every good gift comes down from our Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. God, thank you that you are so faithful we can wake up every morning and set our feet right back on the rock the same way we did yesterday, the same way we do today, the same way we can tomorrow. You are unchanging, and you are ever faithful. We give you all the glory, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. That is too tall for me. Good morning, everyone. Uh, got announcements for today, announcements. Uh, just real quick. So you guys know, or actually I just want to know, how do you know when a dad joke or a joke is a dad joke? How do you know? You should know. It's a parent. It's a parent. You should know. It's a parent. All right. Today, lunch after church right over there in the cafe area. Everyone's invited. Uh, what was it today? Do you know? uh, I, I know there's some hot dogs. I know that there's some garlic bread. Miss Lynn, what else we got over there? 
Sandwiches and chili. Oh, right. I like that. Uh, women's study, and then of course after that, uh, Revelation study still in the cafe. Is that right, Daniel? Yep, we're good. And then the women's studies on break. Youth, we're going to be hanging out in here for a minute, do a quick lesson, and then play some games. And uh, of course, Wednesdays, we have Wednesday night Bible study right over there in the cafe, still going through uh, the Old Testament. And before that, at 6.30 is pizza, and then the study's at 7, so if you want to grab some pizza right quick, and and then be there for the study on that. Um, volunteers, we still are looking for folks to, of course, help out with the children's ministry. We really want to get that kicked off. Uh, it's really important. We keep hearing, you know, from this neighborhood that there's kids, people want to bring their kids, but we don't have the ministry available for them yet, but they want to come, they want to bring kids. Um, just heard a story that Rob told me about Right across the street, a lady wants to bring her kid. They're asking questions, and she wants to bring them in here so they can get these answers. I guess they're asking questions about God. And who else better than the people of God to let them know? Um, obviously, she needs some help. And here's the thing. We get the kids in here, the adults come, and then they, too, are blessed and hopefully get saved, and then... You can create, we can create just a whole new dynamic in that family, starting with the kids. So that's why it's important that we get this thing going and we get people that are, you know, if you're feeling like the Lord wants you to do that, it doesn't matter if you think you can, you know, you've got what it takes. None of us got what it takes. God gives us what it takes. You know, he's just going to tap you on that heart and be like, hey, you want to do this for me? You know, he's asking. Uh, he's not going to force us. But if he's asking, you know, don't say no to the Lord. He's going to bring great blessing through that ministry. I just know it. Um, let's see, next. Uh, praise reports. Anybody got something really cool went on this week or semi-cool or just okay? I just, uh, you know, Bible study on Wednesday night's been really good. And we got... Rob and Rob, and now we got Clay and David, and uh, you know it's a lot younger generation, and they're really, really doing a really good job on it. You know, so I encourage you guys to come out Wednesday night and check it out. You know, it's awesome. I want in the back. Um, I did the next round of interviews, uh, and then they said that they'd let me know if I make it to the final round of interviews. So we're <laughs> three rounds in. Um, hopefully I'll make it to the next round, but just um, you know, keep continuing to pray that God puts me where he wants me to be. Anybody else? Okay. Um, oh, okay. Almost missed you. Just want to praise God because of just all the things that He does. He's just—he knows just what we need when we need it. And he keeps us so safe, and He just supplies. And just want to be—just really say that if anybody's going through a time where it, you feel that that sometimes your your prayers are are not being heard, or you feel that um, you just feel kind of lost or empty or whatever. The Lord is always there, and he's, 
He's helped us in so many things. So if you ever want to talk about disasters, give us a call. <laughs> Had every kind. <laughs> so we could assure you that the Lord is good and he'll carry you through everything. And we're just praising him for all he's done, even yesterday, Lord, that mm. we had a little breakdown on, with our car, and and the Lord brought our sweet pastor over and bride and, and helped us, and we were able to get it going. And we're just thankful that he just always supplies a way in, in his kindness for everything, and that we weren't in the middle of Atlanta. We weren't, you know, on the way to Atlanta, <laughs> you know, or some, right. you know, place where you don't want to just breakdown is in our driveway so we're very thankful so just want just want to say that god is so good cool fantastic anyone else last call all right prayer requests anyone need some prayer for something just raise your hand we get some people around you something going on something on your mind maybe something michaela here chris back there some of the people just gather around Michaela and Chris. Anybody else? Maybe something on your heart you're thinking about or worried about? All right. Go ahead and gather around them and uh, go ahead and start praying for them.
Heavenly Father, we just thank you for hearing our prayers, for loving us and being concerned about us. And Lord, we just ask now that you would open our eyes and our hearts to your word, uh, give us understanding, uh, fill us with your spirit, Lord, and just speak to our hearts. Let us hear exactly what each one of us needs to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, if you would, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to cover uh, verses 1 through 9 this morning, just the first half. And we're going to read it through, just this part through, and then we'll go back and talk about it. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 1. Therefore, my brothers... Whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat you, Odia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So back to verse 1. He says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. So Paul demonstrates his love and friendship for the church there in Philippi. He calls them his brothers, his dear friends. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul, and, and as much as we might look up to him, in no way is he looking down on us or on the fellow church members there in Philippi. He considers them equal to him in the Lord. Paul says that he loves them and he longs for them. He misses them. You know, in John 13, uh, 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Remember, remember the biblical definition for love is being patient, kind, not envying, not boasting, not arrogant, not rude, not insisting on your own way not irritable or resentful, not rejoicing at wrongdoing, right? But rejoicing with the truth and bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things, enduring all things. Jesus says the one way that people will recognize us as his disciples is by the way we love one another. Not by how many Bible verses you can quote or you have displayed on the side of your vehicle, like me, uh, or how often you pray or because you don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do, right? <laughs> but really loving one another, just in our thought, not just in our thoughts, not just in our feelings, but in our actions, right? 
Love's a verb, right? We know that. It's an action word. Paul says it here that he loves him, but he doesn't have to say it. Uh, because this letter is just oozing with love towards these people, towards this church. You know, in love, Paul refers to them as his joy and his crown. This word for crown here, it's referring to the, to the ring of garland that they would crown a winner of a competition with, not, not a king's crown. You know, God had done a great work there in the church in Philippi, and Paul took joy in being part of that. Paul instructs his beloved brothers and sisters in Christ to stand firm in the Lord. He says, therefore, or because, or since our citizenship is in heaven and we will be glorified forever with Jesus Christ, therefore, stand fast, stand firm in the Lord. You know, our security, our peace, it's based on our future glory that is promised to us by God. It's not on our present circumstances. Our circumstances are always changing, right? Sometimes to our liking and other times not to our liking. But God never changes. God's promises never change. Our perseverance is rooted in the Lord, in his presence, in his power, in his provision. You know, we can stand firm in Christ. He's our rock. We can't stand firm in what the world has to offer because it's always changing, right? It's always being redefined or revamped or redone or reinvented or remanufactured or rebuilt or repaired. Why? Because the world is a mess. And when we try to stand firm in this mess, it makes us a mess. Verse 2 says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and with the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So apparently there was some kind of quarrel going on between these two sisters in Christ. Paul considers it serious enough to address here in this letter. However, he did not reveal what the problem was, and he didn't choose sides in it. Uh, in an attempt to restore unity, Paul asks him to agree, each, to agree with each other in the Lord. And this word agree basically means to be in agreement or to live in harmony. Certainly, it paints the picture of what the church look like, looks like when it's standing firm in Christ. It's unity. It's in harmony. The book of life is mentioned eight times in all of Scripture. The other seven times are all in the book of Revelation. Uh, the book of life is basically a record of citizenship in the kingdom of God. You know, here in the United States of America, there's a couple of ways to become a citizen, right? If you're a citizen of another country and you desire to become a citizen of the United States, you can apply for citizenship. You can go through all the necessary channels and eventually you can become naturalized as a citizen of the United States of America. Another way that probably applies to most of us is just to be born here, right? And that is how you become a citizen of the kingdom of God. We're born into it. In John chapter 3, Jesus and uh, Nicodemus have this conversation. We're told now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher and come from God, and no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
Verse 5, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And of course, Jesus continues with this uh, with the scripture that's become the most well-known uh, in the world, I guess, John verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoso, whoever or whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. We are born into God's kingdom by believing that God has provided a Savior, simply by taking God at his word. Back to Philippians, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Boy, this brings back memories. This verse is in, uh, we used to sing this. Back in, uh, when I was a kid, I don't know if Greg remembers, it went, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. All right, so we got some that know it, okay. I know uh, Mark knows it, he's at home, I'm sure he's reaching for his guitar right now. Sorry, Trish, but uh, great song, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If anyone had, to be, had a reason to be anxious, it was the Apostle Paul, right? His brothers and sisters in Christ here at Philippi, they're in some sort of contention with one another. Paul is imprisoned in Rome a thousand miles away. We don't know what... Euodia uh, and Syntyche were disputing about, but whatever it was, it's bringing division in the church. Along with potential division there in Philippi, Paul was facing division among the believers in Rome, as we saw in chapter 1 in, here, in his letter here to the Philippians. Uh, certainly, he was concerned about the possibility of his own execution. And so I would say Paul had good reason to be anxious, a good reason to worry. However, he didn't worry, and he wasn't anxious. Instead, God gave us the secret of victory over worry through Paul's writing this letter. So first of all, what exactly is being anxious or worrying? The Greek word translated anxious here means to be pulled in different directions. Our hopes kind of pull us in one direction, our fears pull us in the opposite direction, and we're pulled apart. The old English root from where the word worry comes from means to strangle. If you've ever really worried about something, you know how it can put you in a chokehold. You know, after the fact, people will often say, it feels so good to get that off my chest, as they take a deep breath, right? You just feel like you can breathe again. Uh, the fact is, worry has definite physical consequences. Just our thoughts, it can give us headaches. Neck pains, ulcers, back pains, it can affect our thinking, our digestion, even our coordination. From the spiritual point of view, 
Worrying is thinking wrongly in our minds and feeling wrongly in our hearts about our circumstances and about the people and things related to our circumstances. Worry robs us of joy. I have a quote here. Most Christians are being crucified on a cross between two thieves, yesterday's regret and tomorrow's worries, from Warren Wiersbe. I'm going to read that again. Most Christians are being crucified on a cross between two thieves. We're being robbed. Yesterday's regrets and tomorrow's worries. And I know what you're thinking. Well, now I'm worried about worrying, right? <laughs> so how do we stop worrying? It's just, is it just mind over matter? You know, willpower? We just need to, you know, tell ourselves, suck it up, buttercup, stop worrying. No. Of course not, right? The antidote to worry is to have a secure mind, according to Paul. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we have the secure mind, the peace of God guards you, and the, and the God of peace will guide us. With that kind of protection, why would anyone ever need to worry? And in order to experience a secure mind and have victory over worry, God has given us a few things we need to do, a few things we can follow. We need to be praying, first of all, in the right way. We need to be thinking in the right way, and we need to be living in the right way. So first of all, how do we pray in the right way? Notice Paul does not just write, hey, just pray about it. He actually uses three different words to describe how to pray in the right way. He uses the word prayer, the word supplication, and the word thanksgiving. Praying in the right way involves all three of these. The word prayer is generally uh, a general word for making requests known to the Lord, and it carries the idea of adoration, devotion, worship. Whenever we find ourselves worrying, our first action ought to be to get alone with God and worship him. Adoration is what is needed. We, we need to see the awesomeness and majesty of God. We need to realize just how big God is. That God Almighty, creator of the universe, is way bigger and way more powerful than any circumstance we could ever find ourselves in. That he is most, most certainly big enough to handle any problem we might get ourselves into. This praising God, this adoration or adoring of God, and his greatness, I believe it's probably more for us than it is for God, right? God knows exactly who he is. He knows how powerful he is. He knows how magnificent he is. He knows how awesome he is. Anything we say, it's not going to convince God otherwise. I'm sure God takes joy in our appreciation of him, although, and who he is. But the reason that prayer needs to start with adoration is so we know exactly who we're meeting with here. You know, we're not calling customer service over at Brandsmart or somewhere and getting transferred all over the place to people that aren't interested in serving their customers. <laughs> you know, do we even realize the magnitude of this open door policy that God Almighty, creator of the universe and everything it contains, this open door policy that he has initiated with us, sinful man whose flesh loves nothing more to, to rebel against God, he says to us, I'm all ears, any time of day, any time of night, 24-7, 365. You just say the word and I'm listening. Is there another human being on this earth that we would extend that same offer to? Maybe our spouse, right? Maybe. But 
At three in the morning, it better be important, right? <laughs> right? I mean, can, just imagine the commander-in-chief of the U.S. military, the most powerful man in the world, gave you his cell phone number and told you to call him at any time. And it doesn't have to be the current guy. It could be the one before him or the one before him. Or... Okay, so back in the 80s, President Reagan gives you his landline number that rings the phone on his nightstand next to his bed. What would you be thinking? What would you be feeling as you're dialing this number? Remember the old, you used to have to dial the phone. What would you be feeling? I mean, would your hand be trembling? I'm calling President Reagan in the middle of the night, right? This, he's just a man. Nothing compared to God. We're, we can call God anytime. And he's available. He listens to us. You know, so often we rush into God's presence and, and hastily tell him our needs. When we ought to approach his throne calmly and in, in the deepest reverence. You know, the first step to praying the, in the right way is adoration of God, his appreciation of God, respect, reverence of God. The second part of praying in the right way is called supplication. An earnest sharing of our needs and problems. And there, there's no place for a half-hearted, insincere prayer. You know, now we know we're not heard for our many words, Jesus said, according to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, however, we do realize that our Father wants us to be sincere in what we ask. This is the way Jesus prayed in the garden, remember? While his closest disciples are sleeping, they couldn't stay awake, Jesus was sweating drops of blood. Supplication's not a matter of physical energy from our flesh. Supplication is spiritual intensity from our hearts. Here's a couple examples in Romans 15:30. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. And then in Colossians 4:12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all of the will of God. So after adoration, after supplication from the heart, comes appreciation, giving thanks to God. And certainly, God enjoys hearing his children say, thank you. You know, remember in Luke 17, when Jesus healed the 10 lepers, and one, only one of them turned around and came back to give thanks? Do you think the percentage is any higher today? You know, often we're so eager to ask, but so slow to appreciate, so slow to give thanks to God for answering those prayers. Paul tells us to take everything to God in prayer. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything, he says. You know, often we tend to pray about the big things in life, and we forget to pray, pray for the so-called little things, until they become big things, right? Talking to God about everything that concerns us and him, this is the first step towards victory over worry. And the result is that the peace of God guards the heart and the mind. Remember, Paul has been chained to a Roman soldier. Uh, he was guarded day and night. Likewise, the peace of God stands guard over these two areas that create worry our feelings and our thinking, you know, our hearts and our minds. Uh, when we give our hearts to Christ and salvation, we experience peace with God, according to Romans 5. 
but the peace of God takes us a step further into his blessings. Uh, this does not mean we, we no longer experience difficult circumstances, but what it does mean is that we can experience a quiet confidence within, regardless of the circumstances and the people and things related to those circumstances. You know, the book of Daniel gives us a great illustration of peace through prayer in Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. You know, when the king announced that none of his subjects was to pray to anyone except the king, Daniel went to his room, opened his windows, and prayed the same way he always did to God. He prayed and he gave thanks before his God and he made supplication. We see all three parts in Daniel's prayer. Prayer or adoration, supplication, and thanksgiving. And the result was a perfect peace in the midst of an extremely difficult time, right? Daniel was able to spend the night with the lions in the lion's den in perfect peace while the king in his own bed was not at peace at all. We're told that sleep fled from him. Have you ever tossed and turned all night like the king just worried to death over something? Praying in the right way is the first aspect for having a secure mind and having victory over worry. The second aspect is thinking in the right way. Peace involves the heart and the mind. In Isaiah 26, 3, we read, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Thinking in the wrong way leads to feeling in the wrong way. And before you know it, the heart and mind are pulled apart and we are strangled by worry. We need to realize that thoughts are real and powerful, even though they can't be seen. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 reads, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. You ever heard this saying, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Paul spells it out in detail, the things we ought to think about as believers in Philippians 4.8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there, are any, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about whatever is true. We should be thinking about truthful things. You know, we know Satan's a liar, and he wants to corrupt our minds with his lies. He approaches us the same way he approached Eve. Did God really say that? Remember, did God really mean that? So the enemy tries to control our mind through lies. On the other hand, the Holy Spirit controls our mind through the truth. Think about whatever is honorable and just. This means worthy of respect and right. You know, there are many things that are not respectable. And believers should not be thinking about these things. 
Does this mean we hide our heads in the sand and avoid what is unpleasant and displeasing? No, of course not. But it does mean we don't put our focus and attention on dishonorable things and allow them to control our thoughts. Think about whatever is pure, lovely, and commendable. Pure probably refers to moral purity, since the people then, just as now, were constantly attacked by temptations to sexual impurity. Lovely means beautiful, attractive. Commendable means worth talking about, appealing. The believer must major on the high and noble thoughts, not on the base thoughts of this corrupt world. Is, if there is anything, any, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, <clears throat> think about these things. It will motivate us to do better. And if it has praise, it's worth commending to others. No believer can afford to waste mind power on thoughts that tear him down or that would tear others down if these thoughts were shared. When we fill our hearts and our minds with God's word, we end up having this built-in radar for detecting wrong thoughts. Psalm 119, verse 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Right thinking is a result of daily meditation on God's word. The third aspect for having a secure mind and having victory over wor worry is living in the right way. Philippians 4.9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Put these into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You can't separate our outward action from our inward attitude. You know, sin always results in unrest, you know, unless your conscience is totally seared. And purity and obedience will result in peace. Isaiah 32, 17, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. James 3, 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Living the right way is a necessary condition for experiencing the peace of God. Paul balances four activities. He says learned and received, and he says heard and seen. It's one thing to learn a truth, but it's quite another to receive it inwardly and to make it part of our inward man. You know, facts in our head, they're not enough. We also need to have truth in our hearts. In Paul's ministry, he not only taught the word of God, but he also lived it out so that his listeners could see the truth in his life. Paul's experience should be our experience. We must learn the word, receive it, hear it, and then do it. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. You know, the peace of God, it's, it's one test of whether or not we're in the will of God. Colossians, Colossians 3.15 And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. If we're walking with the Lord, then the peace of God and the God of peace will exercise their influence over our hearts. Whenever we disobey, we're going to lose that peace, and we're going to know that we've done something wrong. God's peace, it lets us know. 
So praying in the right way, thinking in the right way, living in the right way are the three aspects for having a secure mind and victory over worry. You know, as Philippians chapter 4 is the peace chapter of the New Testament, James chapter 4 could be called the war chapter. It begins with the question, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? And James explains the, cause of war, the causes of war. Wrong praying. He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. That's James 4.3. He also says, wrong thinking. James says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Verse 4.8. And then wrong living. Do you not know that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? And that's James 4.4. 4. You know, there's no middle ground. Either we yield our hearts and our minds to the Spirit of God and practice praying rightly, thinking rightly, and living rightly, or we yield to the flesh and we find ourselves torn apart by worry, by anxiety. Matthew 6, 25, uh, Jesus writes, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. All right, well, since it's the fourth uh, Sunday, we're going to have communion. And if the ushers would uh, start bringing that forward, we're, we're kind of going back. There's still the cups in the seats. If you're not comfortable with uh, uh, touching the pan or whatever, uh, you can have one of those. If you're more comfortable eating styrofoam, uh, they're safe. But we're, we're bringing back the old uh, stuff, and they're going to try to hold on to them so we're not passing them, uh, and it looks like we'll be able to do that today. We're not. And, uh, and while they're passing them out, I'm just going to read this from... And from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 23, and this is Paul writing, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And part of this morning was they were having a problem here at Corinth because they were doing it like Jesus did with the meal. And he was just taking the, we have like this special bread, but they had the bread of the meal. And these guys were coming over and eating everything before the rest of the people got there. And uh, just because they were coming really hungry. And so he's saying, don't, this isn't a meal. The idea of this is, is to give thanks to the Lord. And so that's, what, that's one part of this warning. But also we, he tells us to examine ourselves, and uh, we just don't want to, uh, we just want to be right with the Lord. And so if there's something we're struggling with, something, we want to take it to the Lord and just, and just confess it to him. And God is faithful. He says he's faithful to forgive us if we just ask that. And so let's take a moment, and we're just going to ask the Lord to forgive us in each in our own minds, and, uh, and then we'll take this together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Uh, we just praise you for being our creator. Uh, we glorify you, Lord. You are so amazing, so big, so powerful and strong, and yet so merciful and gracious and loving that you're so willing to lay yourself down for us, Lord. Uh, you love us that much, and we're, we're so thankful for that. And Lord, hear us now as we just confess to you uh, Maybe ways we've sinned, Lord, and we're all we're all messed up, Lord. You know that, uh, Father, and just we know that you forgive us, and we're so thankful that you've forgiven us. And this is really a symbol of that forgiveness, a symbol of what you've done for us, that you've laid down your life for us, that your body's been broken, your blood has been poured out uh, for us, so that we could be put back in a right standing with you, Father. And uh, Lord, just help us to understand the, the magnitude of that, of who you are and how low you placed yourself on our behalf, Lord. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. We can't even describe, we don't even have words, Lord, to describe. It's beyond our vocabulary to describe how amazing it is that you've done this for us. And how ungrateful we should be, Lord, for that. And so, Lord, now we just take this bread that you said represents your body that was broken for us. And, Lord, now we take this together in remembrance of you. Father, we, that's always hard, Lord, to feel like I'm crushing your bones in my teeth, Lord. Father, this uh, cup you said represents the, your blood that was poured out for the new covenant, this covenant of grace that you've poured upon us, Lord, that no longer are we attempting to 
earn our way through our own righteousness, but through your righteousness, that you make us righteous. Father, we're so thankful for that, and now we take this together in remembrance of you. Thank you, Lord, for doing all that you do for us, for being our God, for loving us so much, Lord. Help us to bring those uh, everything to you, to put it in your lap, Lord, to give it over to you, Lord, to just get it off of our chest. And we know you, you want that. You ask for that, Lord. And so, Lord, just be with us now as we spend some time worshiping and praising you in song and in melody, Lord. Just help us to be focused on you, glorify you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I'll stand up and worship our Lord. Just hearing our pastor speaking about that devotion, that adoration. What a blessing to be able to stand before his throne this morning and pour out our hearts and pour out our adoration. Thank you, Jesus, that you made the way through the cost of your life, through the cost of your blood, through your death and resurrection, that we can enter in and pour out that adoration, God. I wouldn't want to miss it for the world.
One way to the Father, Jesus Christ. Sing it again. There is only one way, one truth, one life. One way to the Father, Jesus Christ.
struggling. No less God when we are hurting. No less God when we are walking through the shadows in our life. The same yesterday, today, forever. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. So usually on the second Sunday of the month, we recognize birthdays. But we totally ripped off birthday people what even month is it? July? Is it July? We ripped off the July people on the second Sunday of the month. And then we turned around and did it to them again on the third Sunday of the month because, um, I don't know, I guess we just forgot. But it's the fourth Sunday of the month. Technically, it's still July, which means we can technically do July birthdays. And Olivia made a giant birthday cookie. And it's the last I knew, it was half chocolate chip, it was half white chocolate chip, and I think she frosted the thing. So we, who are our July, I'm going to use my handy-dandy church truck app here. Who, who are, who's July birthdays? Alex, okay, the one I gave birth to, yeah, him. Um, <laughs> I remember when that happened. Sam, are you, are, is it your birthday this month too? All right, Sam's birthday, Alex's birthday, who else do we have? Hold on, look at my app. Oh, look, there's Alex. <laughs> uh, you know, it was Pastor Bob's, too. Yeah, Pastor Bob, it's in July. Trevor Ifland. You didn't say your son. Did you not know where his birthday is? <laughs> uh, Lynn. Lynn Brown. Yeah, Papa Lynn. All right, so that's, I don't know if we can remember it all. Sam, Alex. Trevor, Lynn, there was one more, Bob, Sam, all right, you guys got to help me. If everybody gets one of those right, we'll be doing good. Okay, so pick somebody you're going to say happy birthday to because I can't remember them all. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday Bob. Happy birthday to you. We're awfully glad that, that the Lord let you be born. So enjoy some birthday cookie after lunch and you guys are dismissed.